Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome back to another episode of the Nick Stacey podcast show. This is episode number 10 and I'm Nick Stacey. It's my cool job to help you improve your knowledge surrounding business, health, wealth, cryptocurrencies and blockchains. I do this by discussing my successes and failures but also interviewing great people from many diverse fields to break down essentially what makes them the best at what they do by understanding their habits, routines, philosophies, beliefs, and asking their opinion on various topics, with the aim to educate myself and educate my listeners, you, so that we can improve our day-to-day business lives and our typical out-of-work lives as well. In this episode, I speak to Laura Middleton. Laura is the founder and managing director of a company called The Office Rocks. Uh, it's a content marketing agency that's based in Sunderland and she established it in May 2015 from the playroom of Laura's house. Laura is a fat mother of three children and she has grown The Office Rocks to a team of 19 with some stunning offices that overlook Sunderland Marina. The Office Rocks specialises in social media and affiliate marketing and the Office Rocks drives volumes of incremental traffic to retailers throughout the UK and over the last two and a half years, Laura has established and grown the Office Rocks to be one of the most successful content affiliate publishers in the UK and I fortunately had the privilege of working with Laura and using her facilities for my business. She has a diverse portfolio of Facebook brands and it reaches over 68 million followers per month with a combined total UK audience of 1.3 million. Some of the brands that the Office Rocks have is Bump Baby and You, The Parenting Feed, Your Wedding Hub and The Wedding Outfit. And some of the clients Laura has is TK Maxx, Tesco, Asda, Marks and Spencers, Dunholm, eBay and Cadbury's. And Just to let you know, Laura, as I've mentioned, is a mother and a wife and also grew up in a very working class family uh, from humble roots. So in this interview, I start with discussing her childhood and what kind of effects that has had on her life and in her business career. And then just discussing her opinions on on social influencers, on affiliate marketing. She explains how affiliate marketing works and she also explains some of the things that help her from getting through day-to-day, running a successful company, staying motivated and positive without uh, burning out. Um, So, without further ado. Okay, hi Laura, thanks for coming on the show. Hi Nick, thank you for having me. No, thank you very much for giving your time. I really appreciate it. I, I've been wanting to get you on actually for quite a while. When I decided I wanted to do a podcast, um, you know, I, I know we spoke a couple of years ago when I first started selling my Santa letters online. You're probably one of the first people I worked with. Um, and then since then, I've kind of seen how your business has grown. And through your extreme activity on LinkedIn... <laughs> Um, <laughs> it's one way of saying it yeah absolutely extreme I like it <laughs> no I'm, I'm I'm interested to understand that which I'll get to later on but, okay um yeah so I thought I'd bring you on purely because you know you're a female in business um you know for my partner Emma as well we've spoken about you and the things you do and I know she's inspired and I think there's lots of people male and female that would probably be inspired um about your story and your your business successes over the years Um, But what I normally like to do before I get into those sorts of things is try and understand the people that I've got on. Um, 
And so, you know, reading through some of the things that you've sent over over the last few days, I just wanted to know really <clears throat> a little about your childhood, where you're okay. from uh, and, and, and your family and where you grew up. Okay. Um, well, first of all, thank you very much for those kind words. I find it really strange when anybody says that I could potentially be inspiring other people because <laughs> you just you just don't think of that actually happening. You, you go out into business and you don't think of that as being a, a side effect. It's brilliant. It's I love it. But anyway, so yes, um, my childhood and background. Um, yeah. I don't know whether you can tell from my accent, but I'm from a little place called Hartlepool. I can, um, yes. Yes, on the northeast coast. Um, my accent has actually been toned down quite a bit over the years. Um, I've lived in Sunderland now for 12 years. I moved for love. Um, okay. as lots of people do I couldn't get him to Hartlepool um, <laughs> I thought it was always the other way around the men normally go for the women but oh, do you not... know I, I tried I really tried but then actually I'm such a flighty person that I was quite happy to move and experience something else even if it only was 40 minutes up the coast sure um, but I'm from a, a very working class family um, when I was seven my parents separated um, oh, okay which at the time, you know, it, it was one of those things. There weren't many families that, that separated back in the, the late 80s. And so I always knew that something was a little bit different. And mm -hmm. our family setup was obviously different to most other people's. Sure. Um, but as a kid, I kind of focused on the fact that I had two Christmases and two birthdays and all the positive things that come from having two separate families. Mm. Um, but something that I was really hyper aware of from a very early age was the fact that it meant that we didn't really have a lot of money. Okay. Um, I was always the child who um, I didn't have the branded tracksuit bottoms and trainers and things like that. And I remember doing an art project. Actually, this was even when I got into secondary school and I had to draw a trainer in art class. Okay. And um, I drew my brother's trainer and it was a Formula One trainer. Now, this picture <laughs> was amazing. Like, honestly, it was brilliant. I was in year seven. It was fantastic. It was detailed. The art teacher thought it was brilliant. Um, and <laughs> when I showed all of the other children in the class, all they did was laugh at the fact that my brother wore Formula One trainers. Brilliant. Um, and Brilliant. it was just, you know, at that time, I just thought, oh, really? Really? Is, is that what it all comes down to? And, um, you know, so I, I was really aware of it. My mum, she was obviously a single parent. She was living on benefits. We, um, we lived in rented houses. We moved around the town a lot. And okay. um, it was just one of those childhoods where I, I knew that, I didn't want to continue that. I always knew that there was more to life than the sort of life that we had. And I mean, don't get me yeah. wrong, you know, we were loved and it was happy. And, um, but I, I did look at other children and other families and thought, how do they live in a house that doesn't open up onto a street? And how do they have a, you know, a house that has a garden and how does that happen? And, um, yeah. it, it meant that I wanted to work straight away. I wanted to earn money. Um, and so, I ended up getting my first job at 15. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I know you said that you, you started at 15. Yes. Um, putting plastic shoes oh. on old ladies' feet. It was gross. There was a little shoe shop in town called Wayne Shoes. Okay. And um, at the time I had a, a boyfriend. Um, and this boyfriend's mum was the manager of the shoe shop. And he had a Saturday job. And I was like, please, 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 please let me have a Saturday job. Can I come? I'll do anything at all. So she gave me this job um, and I worked 10 hours on a Saturday. And my job was basically to help little old ladies fit these horrible, cheap plastic shoes onto their feet. Um, they Lovely. would have to work. Do you, can you remember those little 
horrible tanned pop socks that people were put on, that old people yeah, put on. I, I, yeah. I think I've seen a few old ladies knocking around in the towns around here wearing those still. <laughs> yeah, well, I used to have to roll them onto their feet and they would have bunions and gnarly toes. Oh, no. It was just horrendous. But I worked 10 hours every Saturday and they paid me £1.65 an hour. And -hmm. at the end of it, I felt like a millionaire. I used to walk away with my little brown envelope with this money inside and just think that was so worth it. That was absolutely brilliant. And I think I just I got hooked. I was addicted to working. And um, Mm -hmm. as soon as I then turned 16 and I was able to get a job in a more legitimate shop, um, because at the time you had to be 16 to be employed. um, And I went to work for um, Iceland Frozen Foods. Okay. Um, And I was in my GCSE year at school and I used to finish school, go and work there four till six after school. And then on a Saturday, I used to work from seven in the morning till six in the evening. And I did that every single week. Um, And I I loved it. I would have done more if I could. I really, really would have done. So do you think, um, I mean, kind of work ethics, as you say, from a working class family and would you say that inspired I mean you, you've mentioned that you always wondered you know how do all these people get big houses and, yeah. and why am I not like that do you think that because of coming from I suppose humble backgrounds it's given you the, the drive and the work ethic um to get to you know I, you know I hate saying this because it's going to make it sound really corny or, or get to your success and where you are today I think it's everything. It's been all about that, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, you know, it was a happy childhood, but I, I yeah. knew that that wasn't what I wanted. And I knew that when I had children myself as well, I didn't want them to have that same situation. Yeah. And my dad was always a real hard worker. And his he always just said, you go to work, you work hard, you earn money um, and you live within your means. Yeah. And... I kind of, I used to look around and think, but I don't want this to be, you know, my means. I, I want to be able to do more than this. I want to be able to buy a big detached house. And okay. at the time, I really wanted to be able to buy a Porsche. And those yes. were the things that I just thought, I want to be able to travel the world. And, and um, you know, Hartlepool, it's a lovely place and the people are amazing. But I didn't want my life to to be Hartlepool forever as well. Yeah, I understand. Um, and it did. It just, it absolutely, it drove me and it pushed me. And um, by the time I was at university, um, I was studying business finance at Durham Uni. Mm-hmm. I was a local student because the the um, campus was actually based in Stockton. So it meant that I could commute each day. Yeah. Um, and I was working at Tesco and I was actually on the, the management training program at Tesco at the same time as studying for my degree. And I ended up practically working full-time by the end of it um and I qualified as a manager before I'd even graduated and it was just because I just loved being there and I I would get up and start work at seven and do seven till ten then I would go to uni and then I would come back and work again in the evening um and and sometimes I look back and think if I'd maybe put a bit more into university um yeah I might have got I got a 2-1 which I was proud of but maybe that's pretty good well I thought so maybe well I didn't even go to university so you're you're much better than me well I don't know about that I mean I was I used to get um there was one lecturer used to call I wore wore a pink hat a lot and he would be girl with pink hat can you wake up please because I would normally be asleep in the back of the lecture theatre because I'd been up and been at work early on the morning yeah I was gonna say if you're working hard as well and going to uni it must have been been pretty tricky it was, it was. And um, I mean, at the time as well. So when I was just coming up to, to 19, um, my we lived still lived in a rented house at the time. And my mum made the decision that her and her 
then boyfriend were going to move out of the town. Yeah. And um, obviously they said, well, you can come with us if you want to come with us. And I just, I was enrolled on at university and my brother at the time had started an apprenticeship and we said, well, we can't possibly move. They were moving to the Midlands and we said, well, we can't move because, you know, we've got these lives here. And um, so they decided to go anyway. Wow. And it meant that I had to take over this rented house. Okay. Suddenly I was responsible for rent and And sorry, how and old were you back then as well? I, I was just, just coming up to 19. Wow. And um, your bro- so your brother was on an apprenticeship, so yeah. probably not earning any money at all. No, two years younger than me. Um, wow. So, yeah, it was a bit crazy, really. And so she went and suddenly we just kind of sat there and thought, oh, crikey <laughs> this is it now we, yeah this is what we're gonna have to um deal with but I, I think again it was just something then I thought well I'll just work more I'll just go to work I'll do more hours I'll get paid more money and it'll all be absolutely fine and that's what I did that's um, interesting and so your parents uh were divorced so how old were you when your parents got divorced uh, so I was seven seven, seven when they the divorced okay. yeah yeah and has that had do you uh, if you don't mind me asking, has that had any effect on you throughout your life at all? Um, I mean, I know that you're doing very well with what you know with work, and you seem to have incredible drive from from an early age. But did that have any effect on you? Um, yeah, I think it made me. I think that's what made me very flighty. Actually, it made mm-hmm. me just think that you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, I'm quite realistic, and I don't think that anything's forever. Um, my husband would probably say that sometimes I'm a bit doom and gloom when it comes to those kind really? of things. Really? Okay. Well, when we first met, I didn't. I didn't want a relationship, and I just thought, you know, I, I wanted to just have this independent life, and um, I was fed up of trying to rely on other people, and yeah, it um, had to kind of break that down a little bit because. I always used to say, well, nothing's ever going to last. At some point, it's all going to go wrong. And at some point, it's all going to end. Um, Mm -hmm. And I've never fully got rid of that feeling. And I still feel like that every single day now. I still think that one day I'm going to wake up and the business will be gone. Um, yeah. you know that the revenue all dries up and I have to make everybody redundant I, I live with that fear every single day and I, and I know that that stemmed from everything that happened you know in early childhood and I, I never want to sound like a, a sob story because you know I've, I've had an, a, an amazing life and my yeah. family is still fantastic and you know these things just happen but they I, I still think have an effect though don't they, they do they definitely yeah. shape the type of person that you are and I think I meet a lot of people now as an adult who haven't experienced um, certain things in their life, you know, that yeah. maybe they've never lost a loved one or they've never been through such a life-changing experience. And so then when something does happen to them as an adult, they find it much harder to deal with. Whereas, I feel like for me, actually, at most things I can kind of just go, oh, well, do you know what? Shit happens. I pick myself yeah. back up and I just crack on with it. And, and I think you need to have that to be able to run a business. So how did you learn to do that? How did you? How, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's to be honest, I sympathise with you completely because right. uh, although I didn't, my parents weren't divorced at a young age. They they got divorced when my it was in fact uh, the, my sister left for university, and the day right. after I joined the army, literally within the space of twenty four hours. Oh and my then god! Within us, yeah, within within I don't know maybe two or three weeks of us leaving home, so to speak, my yeah. parents were talking about separation and divorce and crazy isn't it i know and throughout my whole life they were going on about you know there was always arguments in the house there was always uh the talk of separating you know they weren't happy yeah and uh, you know i'm i'm very similar to you in, in a way i have the same 
beliefs of you know I'm, i can be quite flighty yeah. um i can i always self-doubt and self yeah. <laughs> uh think this this i don't deserve this oh, i'm making this up surely the success isn't this isn't real i'm just imagining it. it's all going to yes. go wrong um have you ever found in your career or even recently that your your personality of being you know you say you're flighty yeah uh, and you've told me previously that you can do things at a million miles an hour <laughs> yeah. have you ever found that it can cause a burnout and if, if so how do you deal with that but if not uh do you have any kind of tactics that you use to prevent that um, it, it absolutely can cause a burnout and it did cause a burnout for me. So before I set up this business, mm-hmm. um, I mean, it, 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 it's a very, very long story if I told you everything. But yeah. um, when I first we've got had, we've got time, well, we've got quite a bit of time. <laughs> um, well, so after I graduated from university, I did a, a few different things, but I ended up um, working as an HR coordinator for Hayes Recruitment Consultancy. Yeah. Yeah, no, well, I started off as a recruitment consultant and I was absolutely terrible at it. I really, really was. I just couldn't sell to people. I hated it. Honestly, it was awful. And um, so I moved into an internal position doing HR um, and I loved it. I love people. um, I love making a difference. And the role allowed me to be able to show the business how much money could be saved by putting in correct HR practices um, and treating people well. Um, so it was fantastic and I, and I loved it and I, I did that for quite a while and then I fell pregnant as a it was a surprise with mm-hmm. my first baby okay and um at the time my husband was studying for his PhD and he was working wow. as a lecturer at Sunderland University and um I had my nine months maternity leave and it was time for me to go back to work and we kind of just looked at the situation and really we just couldn't fit both of the careers in okay. um, and have this tiny little baby. And I would need to work part time. And the, the age old debate of is it even worth going back to work by the time you pay for your childcare and all yeah. that kind of stuff. So we weighed it up and we decided that actually it was time for me to take some time out, which you can imagine for somebody who was addicted to work in the way that I was. Yeah, not great. Sh- it was a shock to the yeah. system. But it was, you know, we, we agreed this together and it was the right thing to do. Um, I then had another baby 19 months later because we just thought, why not just do it all in one go? Um, Might as well. Might as well. You know, I'm getting no sleep anyway. So we did that and it was fantastic. And with everything, I throw myself into it and I became the mum who turned up at every single play group that was available. And um, my husband was locked away in his study working on his PhD. So I was out with a double push chair running along the seafront because we live right by the beach. And Lovely. It, was, it was all good for a while. And then I got a bit bored. Yeah. <laughs> There's only so much that I can take of babies. And I needed to do <laughs> something that would challenge me, that would test me. And um, at the time, um, Facebook had kind of just exploded. And yeah. um, I created my first profile when the first baby was born and, all the pages started to, to be So we're we talking just your personal profile back then, yeah? Yeah, so I just had a personal profile, but I thought to myself, um, what I really need is I, I'm always late. I'm late, I miss everything, I'm unorganised, I'm scatty. Um, and what would happen is I would turn up somewhere and I, and I would find out that there'd been a family fun day on and I turned up 10 minutes <laughs> after it had finished, all the time. <laughs> And I just thought, why don't I ever know what's going on in Sunderland? Yeah. Why does nobody tell us? And I thought, if there was a Facebook page, because that's where I spend all my time, if there was a Facebook page that told us what was on for families and parents, yeah. um, that would be really useful. So I thought, well, well, there isn't one, so I'll just create one. 
And that was how I then started to learn all about social media. Um, so this Facebook page just started to grow and grow. And I thought, well, actually, there's, there's probably something in this. And all I yeah. did was share events that were happening. And um, I decided to get a friend involved to help me. So, and we, for some unknown reason, decided to turn it into a limited company, which was such a mistake at the time. But when you've got nobody advising you on it, we thought this was what we needed to do. Yeah. Um, you later realize that your accountancy costs and you can't just take money out of it and all those types of things that come yeah. with a limited company that you just aren't aware of. Yeah. Anyway, so we did this for, for a while and it was great um we were making tiny bits of money um but i started to get approached by other local businesses saying oh well would you be able to help me with my social media because you clearly know what you're doing with social so i started picking up some little bits of work and helping other businesses manage their social media um i then fell pregnant with a third baby which was crazy absolutely crazy i don't even know third one makes a difference doesn't it oh my gosh it was just uh, changes your life changes everything and yeah. i try and talk everybody else out of it now and obviously it's wonderful Do i've got you? a wonderful family but when someone says oh we're thinking about having a third baby i, I kind of go really yeah. yeah i say it too i mean <laughs> i've got three and oh, no. our third was the game changer it's um, awful <laughs> like I, I had a life you know yeah. before before three children and then bang the third one and all of a sudden nobody wants to babysit for three no. kids no um and one always rubs off the other and then the third one gets involved and then all hell breaks loose absolutely it is and i mean how old are yours uh my oldest believe it or not he's 14 and yeah i know i know and then my youngest should be two in may so we wow and olivia's five so yeah it can be quite tricky sometimes yeah that is mine are um sophie will be 10 on monday and then i have tom who's eight and Maisie's four Oh, okay. So you've got a good spread. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's obviously, it is great, but it's challenging. And at the time we thought it was a great idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so fell pregnant with this baby and my friend um, who was running this Facebook page with me as well, she fell pregnant with her third baby too. Um, yeah. And so we kind of made the decision. We just let, let this Facebook page kind of, you know, go to one side and we knew we weren't going to really make a lot of money from it. Um, but not long after my third baby was born and I was, I remember sitting on the sofa at my in-laws house and my in-laws are a bit crazy when it comes to nerf guns and they, right, they, yeah. they, they love them and so um christmas day it was and everyone was having a nerf gun war and i'm holding this little <laughs> six-week-old baby feeding her on the sofa getting more and more annoyed by everybody because i was yeah. just really i'm sat trying to feed a baby and i'm getting hit in the head with a a nerf bullet and Anyway, so I clearly remember sitting there thinking, do you know what? This year, I need to sort my life out. I need to do something where I can actually earn some serious money. I need something I can concentrate on that isn't just babies. Yeah. Um, and I thought, I know what I'll do. I'll be a virtual assistant because I'm now managing other people's social media for them. And yeah. um, I know how to make basic WordPress websites because I've, I've been teaching myself how to do that. Um, and I thought, right, this is what I'll do. And I thought, well, what am I going to call it? Um I thought, I want to be the person whose businesses rely on. I want to be dependable. I want to be solid. I want to be solid as a rock. This is actually, I know it sounds so cheesy, but this is how my thought process went. And I thought, solid as a rock. I want to be the rock of an office. Yeah, And so that was when I came up with the name, The Office Rocks. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. You jumped straight in with it. Yeah, I've always (laughs) wondered where that comes from. So then I looked, the domain name was available, the Facebook page was available, and I thought, right, yeah, I'm just going to do it. So I I bought the domain name and everything and thought, right, that's it. I'm going to become a a virtual assistant. And um, so obviously, you know, at this point, my baby's only just coming up two months old. 
Um, And I already had a little bit of work happening anyway. And then I just started putting myself out there, picked up some clients. And within six months, I was generating a thousand pounds a month, which was just perfect extra money for for the household and it was around the children i was doing school runs and still had the baby and everything and it was absolutely brilliant yeah every mother's dream really it do you know what it really really was and i and i loved it and i was thriving on it and then um an a, a chap who i knew had set up a, a startup business um in seam which is just down the coast from sunderland and yeah he contacted me and said oh come and come and have a chat with us about our marketing so i thought oh, i was just you know another freelance job and so I went to see him with my business head on and um, they said, oh, no, no, we don't, we don't want you to work freelance for us. We want you to come and work for us. Okay. Um, at this point, my baby was seven months old and I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I don't want to be employed. I'm really, really happy being self-employed. No, you know, my life's perfect. I, I don't want to be employed. And um, they said, no, no, we, we really, really want you to come and work for us. And um, we kind of went backwards and forwards and I said, look, if you really want me to, you're going to have to pay me my hourly rate of what I would charge somebody working freelance. Yeah. Um, they obviously didn't want to pay that. Of course not. hourly rate's quite high. Yeah. But they came up with an agreement of a, a lower rate, gave me some targets that would work, get me up to my my rate that I wanted. And yep. um, they allowed the flexibility and it was only 15 hours a week. And I thought, Do you know what, what have I got to lose? Yeah. So um, they wanted me to go and be their social media manager. Yeah. So I went and um they were what they were doing was they were developing a, a money saving app okay um it was all really exciting it was absolutely brilliant they wanted me to help build this community and yep. they were working with an already established facebook page and at the time yep. it was called ashley money saving expert yeah know it well um and i knew nothing about affiliate marketing um, nothing like that. And they said, look, we're registered with these affiliate networks and this is what we're doing. And they kind of just gave me free reign to, to, to just go for it. And together yeah. we managed to really grow the, the Ashley brand, which is now called Ashley Money Saver. Yeah. Um, obviously it had to be changed because of Martin Lewis and everything like that. Of course. Yeah. Um, and do you know what? It was just absolutely phenomenal. It was such a whirlwind. Nobody expected the the brand to take off it the way that it did. Yeah. Um, it's done very well, hasn't it actually? It's just unreal. I mean, the, the app, that we were originally working on. I don't know whether they're still working on that now, but that became something that was kind of pushed to one side because we realised that actually the power of social media, it was so huge. And what we were able to do um, in the affiliate marketing industry with this brand was just phenomenal. Um, And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And within 10 months, um, I'd gone from working 15 hours flexibly around the family to being yeah. employed full time. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, they were still great in terms of allowing me to work flexibly. But once you get into a position where they, they promoted me to sales director. Okay. And you can imagine that that combined with my work ethic <laughs> yeah. and my addiction to throw myself into something, but then also having three children at home. Um, and Mm. it just, it got, the only way to describe it is that I absolutely crashed and burned. It got to the point where the, I became a different person and all I could think about all of the time, it was just work, 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 work. Um, from morning through to night, you know, my children would speak to me and I was on a phone all the time and I just became the mum who I had never wanted to be. And the reason why I'd left work completely in the first place um, and I, and I made a, a really serious decision one day and I walked in 
um, and sat down with the, the rest of the directors and said that I wasn't coming back. Okay. Which, crikey, it was... It's just Didn't not go the, down well. No, it's not the sort of thing you do, is it? Nobody wants to hear that you know, one of their directors isn't going to come back again. But I just knew that if I didn't leave, um, my family was in trouble. You know, we were just, things weren't great. Nobody was happy. And um, it was just what I needed to do. And um, God, can you imagine going from that to then sitting at home? And this is really dramatic, Nick, right? So I sat... No, no, please go for it. This is what we like to hear. I know all my listeners like drama and, you know, real life. So please, please go for it. I I wallowed in self-pity. And um, because I'd had this big hotshot job and obviously I was getting paid a decent amount of money, we built an extension on our house. Yeah. And I sat in this extension with the rain lashing down on the Velux windows and (laughs) me sat there crying, going, what? I gotta do with my life and <laughs> I, I, can, I can remember just sitting there feeling so sorry for myself and and the only thing I could think to do was go to the gym and exercise and I just thought this is absolutely dreadful yeah. um and um one day my my husband's gran lives next door to us um she's now 84 she's a retired headmistress of a primary school okay um And she just stopped there one day and she said, Laura, you need to sort this out. I said, what do you mean? And she said, that look on your face. She said, you look like I did when I retired. She said, there's a part of you that's just completely missing. She said... Oh, so it wasn't just on the inside. You were were displaying it outwardly as well. Massively so. And, you know, I I couldn't hide it. I can't hide how I feel about anything. Um, Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, I had friends afterwards coming up to me saying, oh, my God, what on earth was wrong with you? For weeks, I just disappeared. I'm a real sociable person. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I talked to everybody and for weeks I just didn't. I didn't see anyone. I ignored everybody. I wasn't interested in anything else. And, you know, I've never, I've, I would never say that I've ever been depressed in my life, but it was probably as close to it as I've yes. ever, ever Sound, gotten. Sounds to me like it was, yeah. I probably, it probably was, but I, I, you, I just, yeah, it's I probably a good thing you didn't dwell that. on that. No, yeah, no, yeah. I can't. Um, and so uh, she just said, she said, well, what are you going to do? You have to do something because this isn't working and you can't continue doing this and you need to pick yourself up and sort yourself out. So yeah. I, was, I was well and truly told off. Um, and, and she said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, well, before I went for this job, I was working on my own and I, and I really enjoyed it. And actually, I was very good at it. But what I didn't do was I didn't price it right. So I was working a lot, but I was only making a thousand pounds a month. Mm -hmm. And I said, now I've seen the way the business works and I've gained all this experience of working in a fast growing business with these experienced business people who were running it. I said, I feel like I know how to do it now. I feel as though I can make it work. And she said, okay. She said, so... What, what do you need to do to be able to do this then? And I said, well, if I'm going to do it, I need to do it properly and I think I need to invest in it. Yeah. Um, and she said, well, how are you going to do that? And I said, well, I think I might go to the bank and see if I can borrow some money. Mm-hmm. Um, before, it, you, before you go on, Laura, so yeah. you were working for this company in a sales director position yes. and you were only getting paid a thousand pounds a month no, for it. No, 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 no. No, sorry, I'm got confusing that you there, Nick. That's no, fine. That no. When I was working freelance... I was going to say because that that would have burnt you out completely. No, oh no, they paid. No, they paid me. Paid you well. Yeah, I was well rewarded for for the work that I did. No, absolutely. No, I just thought I'd clarify that. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. (laughs) No, no, but that was why it was even harder walking away because when you go from having I was earning a thousand pounds a month and suddenly.
suddenly I'm in this great job earning great money. Um, and then, you know, and then suddenly all of it's gone completely because I'd put my business to one side. So I wasn't earning any money there and I'd yeah. given up my job and I wasn't earning any money there. And I just thought, oh my God, what am I going to do? But I knew that the Office Rocks business, I still had the domain registered. The limited company was still registered for that as well. And I always knew that one day I would be able to pick it back up. Yeah. So this was the plan. Well, I could pick that back up and I now have all this experience and I know how to make it work. Okay. Um, I'd also learned everything about affiliate marketing, which I didn't know so before. So, you know, if you're able to, before you yeah. carry on with that, with affiliate marketing, I know there's some people that might not gauge the concept of affiliate marketing. So I know when I dabbled in affiliate marketing for a period of time, yes. uh, everybody looked at me with this very puzzled blank face. Yeah, so they do. in a brief explanation, just so my listeners can understand, you know, explain what affiliate marketing is. So uh, affiliate marketing is essentially driving customers to other people's websites where when they make a sale, they will pay you a commission of that sale. Okay. Now, I think affiliate marketing has quite a bad reputation and often people hear the words affiliate marketing and think of somebody going, you too can earn six figures a month and you can <laughs> yeah. be like me and they yeah. lie over their Lamborghini or they're in front of <laughs> yeah, their exactly. penthouse in yeah, Malibu. That's, that's exactly, um, yeah. yeah. They do and, and, you know, it's got a bit of a dirty reputation but the, the reality is that actually most people are buying things via an affiliate marketing channel and not even realising that they're doing yeah. it. Um, so, and modern day affiliate marketing is much more about influencer marketing which seems to be the hot word at the moment yep. but it's about people who are building large followings on social media or via their blogs um, and then they're driving their traffic from there for products and services that are irrelevant to their audience so for us um, all of our majority of our traffic really comes from Facebook and we'll grow yep. large audiences where we will target um, niche communities. So our biggest one is mum and baby. And yeah. we'll promote um, baby products from Asda and Tesco and people like that. And they'll pay us for, the, for that promotion. Absolutely. And I think people are, that are listening, if they do have a bad impression of affiliate marketing, as you've just said, you're targeting a specific audience. And, yeah. I, and I know by using you guys and our kind of target demographic, uh, is, is you know mums with babies and and parents yeah that that actually it's not a bad thing to do because you're you're giving content to those people that's relevant to them absolutely uh, and I think nine times out of ten they're normally offers anyway aren't they they're they're sort of special discounted offers that's going to save people money yeah um, and it saves them hunting all over the internet for it yeah I mean what we pride ourselves on is being able to find things that somebody wouldn't necessarily be able to find themselves yeah um, you know and working with different retailers that they wouldn't always go onto their website. You know, they yeah. might not even know that some of these retailers exist. And, uh -huh. um, and what we always make sure that we do for all of our audiences is that we give them really good, valuable content. So we're not just spamming um, and that we're not selling to them, but we're, we're putting things out there that we, as fellow mums, yeah. Um, would actually think that they would find useful too. So um, it's very, very different to that dirty, dark reputation of what often people perceive affiliate marketing to be. Um, I think there's a there's a lot of work still to be done within the Definitely. affiliate industry yeah. to, to make it much more open and transparent. And, you know, we tell our audiences that this is how we earn our money. Yeah. Um, and you'll... I, 
And obviously the rules are coming in place now more and more anyway, where you have to do that. And that's a really good step in the right direction. I don't think it's a big problem telling people either as well, because it, no. if like you, you, people end up mixing their content with things that are not just selling products, but, you know, adding more value to it as well. Yeah. Um, you know, a bit of humour things like that then and people don't mind do they 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 see Absolutely. it as uh, as worth following and and you know in the end if, if they know that that's what you're doing they're more likely to to stick with you i think definitely and i think you know that people are they realize now that when a celebrity is promoting something that they are being paid for that so i think people are just more realistic about how the internet and social media works now anyway so you yeah. know that if a company is going to be able to put the amount of time and effort into producing that kind of content and sharing it for you somehow they have to get paid exactly and they have to pay the team who can put that content out there so exactly yeah and people should be aware i think i just think i'd make one point if anyone's listening in there they you know particularly on the influencer side of things that um i'd read yesterday an article of a lady that um got herself in i think it was twenty thousand euros worth of debt in ireland right and this sounds bonkers uh i don't know i can't believe you've not seen it but she basically went on holiday so she was creating an instagram profile to be an influencer and, yeah. and earn through affiliate marketing in that respect and then ended up spending twenty thousand euros on going on holidays posting instagram pictures of her in lovely places in hotels trying to sell the hotel she was staying in and holiday packages and in the end uh she just ended up blowing all of the money on uh on holidays and didn't earn a single penny and got yeah. twenty thousand pounds worth of money you know in debt to the yeah. bank so yeah with, with that in mind um you know people would see you haven't been doing this long i think it was in may 2015 you officially started on your own it was it was yeah yeah and you know you learned previously beforehand but yeah if anyone's thinking uh of maybe getting into this kind of environment whether it's on facebook or through email or you know or on a, a website or something like that is there have you got any tips for them <laughs> well i think everybody thinks that it's going to be a quick book Everybody yes. thinks that, you know, I've already got my nearly 10-year-old daughter saying, I want to be a YouTuber. And I'm saying to her, yeah. you don't even know what a YouTuber is. You don't even know how that works. You don't understand. Work, Absolutely. I mean, and, and that is a perfect example, that the story that you've just said there, where people think, oh, well, this is, you know, it's absolutely fine because people will just pay me to do this. Yeah. They don't. No. I mean, you know, our largest brand reaches six and a half million people a week. And we still have retailers saying to us, well, you know what? We don't know whether you'll be able to drive us enough traffic. So can you do this one for free? Really? And do you? Oh, oh, Nick, you have no idea. Why, why have you not ever given me one for free? <laughs> <laughs> we don't give them for free. And I just find it so bizarre. And, you know, we'll say we could put one post out and we can generate you thousands of clicks to come through this one post. If yeah. the post's amazing, you know, you might get 8,000 clicks come through that. Yeah. And we just say, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be allowed to put an ad in a newspaper for free. You wouldn't be able to do any of those things for free, so you have to pay for it. Mm -hmm. But if, if we still find that some retailers don't want to pay us, us, what is a person who sat at home with maybe 2,000 followers on Instagram, you know, and no way of being able to actually say, I can generate you direct sales? Because that's yeah. the other thing, of course, as well, that there are lots of people who work in the influencing space and they'll say, well, I've got this many followers and, you know, this many people like my posts. But that means nothing because no. unless you can actually show traffic and sales, 
then, you know, how does a retailer know that they're actually going to get any return on investment at all? And uh, there's a part of me that thinks and almost hopes a little bit that the influencer world is going to come to a a bit of a standstill, really, because mm. um, it's all a bit. We're, we're working in affiliate marketing and yeah. then within a retailer, you'll have somebody who looks after affiliate marketing and then somebody who looks after influencer. Now, as far as I'm concerned, they are both the same thing yeah. apart from. You can track affiliate marketing, but you can't track influencer marketing because they don't use any tracking software. They don't okay. put any links in to track it. And so all these people are working in the influencer space and they're not able to show their ROI. Then you've got all these people in the affiliate space who can demonstrate what the ROI is, mm -hmm. but all the money at the moment, because influence is such a hot thing, all of the budgets are going into the influencer pots. Yeah. And the affiliate pots or people like us are still having to go, hold on a second, if you're spending all your money on your influencers, why wouldn't you spend it on us as an influencer who can also demonstrate the return on investment? This is a real bugbear for me, though. So I would, you probably need to get me off this topic because I yeah, wouldn't yeah, rant we'll, about it for we'll a while. We'll move on from that. Yeah, we'll move on. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll go back to tips for anybody. Uh, we'll, we'll probably cover a bit more of this towards the end anyway okay. but yeah. is you know if anyone's thinking of affiliate marketing where okay. could they where could they the, start you well know? the first thing that they need to do is they need to it's all about audience and in order to create an audience they have to think of something that they are really passionate about or very okay. knowledgeable knowledgeable about so that they can create an audience around that so it might be for example somebody who absolutely loves to travel or it might be somebody who's really into fashion or it might be a mum a new yep. mum, an experienced mum. But it has to be something that you absolutely believe in. It's no good looking around and thinking, well, they're making a lot of money out of that, so I'll do that. Because yep. that won't work. If you're not 100% into it, you're not going to be able to put the time and effort in. Yeah. Um, I would say as well that you need to get onto Facebook and join all of the different blogging groups. Okay. There are loads of blogging groups around that you can join. And basically in there, you'll be able to get tips from other people on, how to grow your Instagram following, you know, how to engage with people on Facebook. And you'll be able to speak to other people who are in the same space. Mm -hmm. But also what happens is then you will have um, retailers or agencies um, who will come in and say, actually, we've got an opportunity for a blogger where we might want to gift a piece to you in exchange for some images or in mm -hmm. exchange for a blog post. And then eventually, as time goes on, you might find that as you've grown your audience and you've proved your worth and worked with people a few times, that then they might start, they might be prepared to actually pay you for some features. Yeah. Um, but I would say that right at the beginning of your journey as well, you need to learn about affiliate marketing. Yeah, because it can even be quite if, complicated, can't it? Yeah, and even if you if you if you think, well, I, I just want to be an influencer on Instagram where people just pay me for my pictures, still register with all of the affiliate networks because all of those people who you will want to work with will have an affiliate program as well. Mm -hmm. And quite often, if you can get onto that affiliate program and you can somehow drive some traffic to them, you can get in front of them and you can draw attention to yourself in a way that you wouldn't be able to do otherwise. Yeah. Um, and people are missing out on that opportunity. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, to get, uh, it, it's a difficult, and I think everybody wants to, it, like you say, influencing is definitely what seems the trend that everybody yeah. wants to do, isn't it? it yeah. They want to follow that. Um, Okay, so uh, when you talk of affiliate programs, can you name me three that people could write down and maybe have a look and research into? Um, so affiliate networks, is that yeah, what you Yeah, mean? sure, you know, yeah, saying, so... yeah, so the networks. I mean, I know, I know one, for example, I know quite a few, but I'm going to ask you, I know affiliate window, let's start off with that so one. So aff affiliate window would absolutely be the first place that everybody should go. 
Um, it's by far the, the largest and the best for tracking. And from a publisher's point of view, which is what we um, would call ourselves in the affiliate world, we would be publishers. Yep. Um, it is by far the best for reporting. Um, mm -hmm. It'll show you real time, the sales that you've generated, the clicks that you've generated. And it means that, you know, if you put something out there and you can see that people are buying from it immediately, then you're able to go, OK, well, we'll do some more of that. Or, um, you know, we might try and push that to a larger audience. Um, yeah. So definitely affiliate window. It's also great for creating links as well. They've got a fantastic um, extension tool, but you have to use Chrome. But yep. if you Google affiliate window, well, in fact, it'll be called AWIN now because they've yeah, branded. Yeah, it's AWIN, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah. If, you, if you would Google AWIN Chrome extension and then add that to your uh, browser bar, what it allows you to do is when you're on a retailer's website, as yep. long as you're on that retailer's program, because you have to apply to individual programs as well, well, let's say, for example, you wanted to work with John Lewis and you applied and they accepted you. Then when you land on the John Lewis website, you can create a link directly to any page on that website just using this little Chrome extension tool. Okay. Um, and all it creates is a little green button on your top right hand um, browser bar. But it's a fantastic tool. And if any publishers aren't already using it, they really need to because it speeds everything up. Yeah, I mean, that's new, I think, with AWIN. I don't, when I was using AWIN, it was, I don't think they had that feature. Or if they did, I completely missed it, and I wish right. I hadn't have missed no. it. <laughs> Every now and then it breaks, and um, my entire team go into meltdown. Like, I mean, you've never seen anything <laughs> like it. They just, uh, if one of the reports stops updating real time on it, it's like the worst thing ever. The poor people at AWIN, they just get hounded by us whenever anything isn't working properly. So, um, <laughs> But then after that, the other networks that I would recommend that people get onto, um, eBay and Amazon. Yeah. Um, I think they're often ones that people don't even think about because they think about the main retailers. But um, eBay in particular, um, they have a fantastic account team as well um, who were really, really open to new ideas and having face-to-face -face meetings and everything. And for me, building relationships is what's really important in the affiliate world. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I would absolutely say that. And, and of course, as well with eBay, you know, your, your products, the product range and the amount of things that you can actually promote, it's... Oh, yeah, it's vast, isn't it? Oh, um, and they pay really well. It's, it's really, they? really That's good. Yeah. yeah, They're very, very good eBay, and they don't take much of a cut um, themselves. They don't make a massive amount of money from their affiliate program in the grand scheme of things. Mm -hmm. um, for them, it's a lot more about their exposure, so... Plus, um, they, you know, they gain off listings anyway, don't they? And things like that. Yeah. Of course. Um, Amazon is really good because obviously you can get amazing deals on there and everything. Um, it's really, really easy to link to. Their reporting's really good too. Um, and then the next big affiliate network that I would say would be Web Gains. Yeah. Um, uh, again, they do real real time reporting. Um, it's not quite as easy to create your links, but you'll find some really nice retailers who sit in there because retailers, obviously, they all they all pick a, ne a network that they want to work with. Yeah. yeah. So sometimes you have to do a bit of detective work if there's a particular retailer that you want to work with, but you don't know which affiliate network they're in. Um, you need to spend a bit of time Googling. Um, yeah are going into in, into each network and then search through the advertat through the different retailer programs and see if you can find them that way or okay. often at the bottom of a retailer website it'll have a little affiliate link there and then you'll be able to click it and it'll tell you which network they're registered with so okay perfect thank you so before i go into we'll, we'll get into uh, the office rocks um <laughs> yeah. very shortly um but i just want to touch base on a little bit more of your career now you've told me that uh you used to 
be a pardon the pun a trolley dolly I was a trolley dolly. I loved it. It was brilliant. How long did you do that for? I only did it for a year and a half. Okay. Um, but it was it was just such an amazing experience. At the time, one of my best friends was doing it. Um, and I couldn't cope. She would come home from a... She'd been on a trip. And she'd either been in New York or the Caribbean. And, yeah. Um, and then she would have a couple of days off and then she'd jet off again. And I just thought, you know what? This is something that I have to experience. I have to do it. Um, it got me out of Hartlepool, um, and it was for Virgin Atlantic. So okay. the uniform was amazing, and the countries that we visited <laughs> were fantastic. The money was horrendous. Was it, it was, really bad? Oh, that's that's God. new to me. I never knew that. <laughs> the pay was so low, but yeah. everybody wanted to work for Virgin because the experience was so good. Um, yeah. And at the time, they said that, well, they probably still say it, that they will employ you as long as you are based within a certain um, radius of uh, Gatwick Airport okay. because that would be your base. Yeah. Um, but I chose not to do that. And so I commuted from Hartlepool for every trip, which was quite wow. a challenge. Yeah, I bet that was tough. No wonder you yeah. only stuck at it for a year and a half. Yeah, well, and I obviously, this was at the point where I met my now husband. Uh-huh. So it was kind of the travelling and then the, oh my gosh, I can't be away from him for another three nights. That would just be horrendous. <laughs> and so it was time to to settle down. And um, But it was fantastic and such an experience. And I always say, to people um particularly those who you know they might be have just left university go and do something like that because mm-hmm. it's an amazing way to travel the world if you aren't able to actually fund it yourself yeah sure yeah because um is it true that you whenever you you know like long haul do you get a period of time how long do you get to stay when you you know like you say you've been to new york and the caribbean how, yeah. long, how long do you get to stay on on ground so it depends on where you are and um, how many flights they do to that destination. So New York, there are just so many flights each day anyway. So mm-hmm. quite often you would you would just be there for 24 hours okay. and then you would fly back home. But it's still enough time to be able to, you know, yeah. go do some shopping, go ice skating and those types of things. Um, but then you would have other destinations. So Jamaica, for example, when they introduced that, yeah. um, it was a five night stay. Oh, brilliant. Which was just awesome. And um, you stayed in the Ritz car. Alton for five nights. Oh, really? Can you imagine? It's just... Yeah, I bet that yeah. was amazing. Yeah. It is. It's amazing. And do you know what? For all, the pay wasn't the highest salary, but you were really well looked after and the hotels that they put you up in are fantastic. And um, yeah, it's something that I think everybody really should try and experience. Um, and the other side of it, of course, is that it makes you a very, very confident traveller. Okay. I, I could be dumped anywhere in the world and I would make my way home now. Mm-hmm. Um, because you just get used to it and you don't, you're not scared anymore of being in strange places. And it, it really changes um, the way that you do things and your outlook on the, the world becomes smaller. It doesn't seem like such a huge place anymore because you go to these places on such a regular basis. Fantastic. Do you think, do you think, is there anything from that that you, I mean, obviously experience, is there anything from that that you learned that you apply today? Um, well, the biggest thing is uh, customer service. It's uh, and I've all, I've always been in a customer service role anyway. Um, mm-hmm. And even though we aren't, a, you know, we're not a really a customer service business now. 
but we apply it to absolutely everything that it's all about being nice to people, making people yeah. feel valued and making them feel like they are part of something. And at Virgin, that was drummed into everybody that it was all about the experience that somebody had on every yeah. single flight. Um, and I still feel as though I treat everybody in the same way that I did whenever they stepped onto one of my flights. And um, I used to I used to always choose to do boarding, you know, when you get on yeah. the airplane and they go, oh, 30, 40, and point yeah. to where you've got to go and sit. <laughs> yeah. And I love that because I would, I would take pride in being able to read their name on the boarding card, say their name to them, tell them where they could go with a big smile on my face. Um, because I just loved, I felt so privileged that I got to be that first person when they got on the aeroplane. And that still sticks with me now. You know, when, if somebody comes into the business or if we attend an event somewhere, it's all about the image and the way that you make somebody else feel. That's a very good value to take away. I think, yeah, yeah, definitely working for the Virgin brand and taking on some of Richard Branson's ethics as you say, is it's definitely a good thing. Definitely, it, it obviously works for him, and I think everybody knows the Virgin brand for that customer yeah. service and yeah. how you get treated in everything that they do, whether it's banks and things. So, definitely. Uh, I mean, even we... so, sorry, the, the recruitment yeah, process as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they do it um, a bit like the X Factor. So when you go, it's quite tough. But at one point, they split us into two groups, and I looked at the other group, and it was all the absolutely beautiful girls who were tall and stunning and they just looked amazing. And then I looked around at the group that I was in and we all just seemed (laughs) to be the ones that were just slightly different. (laughs) And we were all the ones who got the job. Because your personalities came through, no doubt. Exactly what it was, yeah. because we were the people who, yeah, that we we were the ones who would greet people and offer that amazing service, which is what they needed. And I think it just really went against that total stereotype of what even I thought an airline would be about. Yeah. Um, and it was really reassuring. It was a lovely thing to see. And I got the job, so I was just thrilled. <laughs> yeah, but you were chuffed. And so yeah, I was. Who, who were the... Who are the most famous people you've seen on a flight? Uh, well, so I was on a flight with Richard Branson um, and Natalie Imbruglia. I always think, do I pronounce her name correctly? And I think that Bono was on the same flight, but it was quite a while ago now, so I can't remember whether or not it was, but it was because it was a special chartered flight that um, to take all of the very important people up to the G8 summit in Glasgow. Um, so it was an empty flight other than everybody being wined and dined in first class and because we were the the little junior cabin crew down the back. We didn't really have to do anything, but they all came for a little walk around the the aeroplane. So that was quite exciting. Yeah, I bet Um, it was. Yeah, I was a bit kind of starstruck. And um, I do remember one day as well when I was boarding and I read this boarding card and I said, oh, Beddingfield, just like Daniel Beddingfield. Oh, no. Yeah, I know. I mean, younger people won't even know who Daniel Beddingfield is. They probably but, um, wouldn't know. I know. But when I looked up and looked at his face, I went, oh, my God, it is Daniel Beddingfield. And you know what? He was so rude. He was was just, he really? He was so not interested at all. And I was really starstruck by him, and he just didn't want to know. Oh, well, really, mu- really didn't. His music's rubbish anyway, isn't it? Let's face it. <laughs> No, no wonder will, he was rude. I know, we'll send a copy of this to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't even know if he exists anymore, does he? He had a bad accident, I think. Did he? Oh, Yeah, dear. but then, I know, I know, but I think he's still alive, so it's fine. <laughs> okay, so one thing I, I definitely want to know, and I know a lot of people listening to this will also want to know, because the majority of people that are listening are, you know, people that are looking to start a business or or already in business and wanting to sort of enhance their progression and, and where they are. With 
all the things that you do, the company that you've you've started back in 2015 and you've now got 19 members of staff and three children and a <laughs> husband, you know, you're a wife. And you've you've also mentioned to me that you you play hockey as uh, kind of like your your me time. Yeah. How do you how do you manage all of this now without? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, oh. Without going into a, a burnout. I mean, I. I I don't struggle, but I I often have to give a lot of time to myself because I've always got lots of things going on and I've yeah. got three children. So how, how do you manage all of that yourself? Um, I'm much better at it now than I used to be, if I'm completely honest. Um, I think part of it for me now, though, is that because the business is a few years old, um, the I've got other people to be able to do a lot of the work that I used to have to do. Um, but I have to just be really strict with myself. Um, and there'll just be some evenings where I say, absolutely, the computer isn't being opened up. The phone isn't even going to be charged. That's what I do, actually. I let my phone just run out of battery. <laughs> do you? Yeah. Okay. And then like leave a charger in the car or something so that then I can't charge it up. And I mean, it seems quite extreme, but if it stops you from then actually just having a, a cheeky little look at it or something like that. Um, but because I've got three children and I still do school runs every single day. Okay. So I don't start work until half past nine and I finish work generally around about quarter to three. Mm -hmm. And then um, two of my children are in a swimming club. So I go and spend hours and hours sitting at a swimming pool. Okay. So what I do is I take my MacBook with me and I sit and work while I'm there. But then okay. what it means is that once I'm finished and I've got to bring the children home, I don't then open the MacBook macbook okay. back up so i think it allows me to just have that real kind of divide where i go okay i've got two hours here to work and then that'll be it um so that helps me now whereas before i used to literally just work every hour that i possibly could and just have the phone open constantly and have the computer open constantly but i just i can't do that anymore because the children are going to grow up and mm -hmm. i'm not going to have seen what's going on um but also, so my, my husband still has a, a very big role too. Um, and he's actually moved into an even bigger role recently. So okay. I almost feel as though my time has reduced even more. Um, so it's really, really hard to even describe how I stop myself from burning out. Yeah. But I just make a point of turning everything off making yep. sure that I play as many hockey matches as I possibly can, yep. um, committing to playing things like Monopoly, which you can't <laughs> play Monopoly and look at your phone at the same time. Definitely not, no. So I have to do these things or, you know, I'll say to the children, actually, do you know what we are? We are going to sit and watch a movie together and just move everything out of the way or we get out of the house and go and try and do something. But it's a real conscious effort to do all of these things because yeah. the pull is always there to be doing more with work. Um, but I also now, I, I trust my team a lot more to do things. Mm -hmm. So things that I would normally just go, well, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. I actually now go, oh, actually, you could do that and you could do that. And you don't have that um, luxury when you first start the business. So, you know, of course, there are going to be days where you end up working <laughs> probably yeah. 16 hours in the day. And there might be weeks where you've worked seven days in the week and things like that. But as long as you then balance it with having some time off in another week or taking a week's holiday or um, making sure that if you have got children, you go and watch them in their sports day. And it's yeah. just making the conscious effort to take some time out, um, which is yeah, it's easier it said than done. Yeah, it definitely is. I, I, I agree. I mean, it's difficult. 
would you say well obviously I, I know what the answer to this is going to be but I've got to kind of clarify it but by by breaking things down and maybe not working let's say a typical I think a lot of people expect when they're running a business or even when they're in a, in a job that they have to be on it 24 yeah. 7 because if they're not then things are going to slip and fall away do yeah. you think that because you you're not you're not head on with work all the time. Yeah. Do you think that actually by taking less time with work and balancing things out in, in a better, more structured way, that actually things work out better? Yeah, potentially. I mean, don't get me wrong. I sometimes have moments where I think, you know, if I didn't have all of these other commitments and I could work 60 hours a week, would the business be further on? Yeah. And then I always come back around to, well, no, it probably wouldn't be because it, I'd have burnt myself out mm -hmm. and the business either would have completely crumbled or I'd have run away from it because that's the other part of me as well that, you know, if something gets to the point where I really don't enjoy it anymore and it's interfering too much with all of the other important things in life, then I don't want to do it anymore. So I have to make sure that I don't get to that point. And I think that the balance that I've got allows me to still love it. Okay. And then, and that allows me to still three years down the line, don't get me wrong, I have moments where I think to myself, well, maybe we could just <laughs> sell up and go and live in the south of France and things like that. But, but then I always come back around to, but I love it. I really, really love it. And, you know, I find that I have some weeks now where I probably don't work full time. So I just think that I'm, I'm now allowing myself to, to have that right balance. And if I work full time some weeks and part time other weeks and then work more than full time other weeks... Overall, I have a really good balance with it um, and it allows me to still be me. And you mentioned about obviously my hockey team and yeah. when I get on a hockey pitch, gosh, I just, I feel like I'm 14 all over again and I'm, I'm not, I'm not anybody's boss. I'm not a mum. I'm not a wife at all. I am literally just, my maiden name is Ridden and I feel as though I'm just Laura Ridden on the hockey pitch, running around like a lunatic and just not, I have no cares in the world or anything like that. And I get to be with my friends who, when you play for a sports team and it's made up of people who do completely different things mm -hmm. and have completely different views on life. And it's the most liberating feeling ever because you just get to be you and everybody's accepted. And mm -hmm. um, gosh, I, I, when I go through, I have a couple of years every now and then where I don't play. It's always been normally because of babies. And when you take that out of your life, it's such a big thing to be missing. And I try and encourage so many people to take up sport yeah. um, because it's, a, it's an amazing outlet for all of the stress relief and um it's just so important definitely definitely so obviously i know that all of your staff and as i've already <laughs> mentioned to you in the past are you've got 19 women working I know, for I know. you i know i don't discriminate i've been accused of it but i don't oh, I, I don't <laughs> i was go oh, you've even told me that you you feel you're you're actually a feminist as well so <laughs> yeah. So how did you end up having all women? Why is that? Well, so the reality is because the business started in the playroom of my home. Yeah. Um, I borrowed some money, set it up with some borrowed desks and a couple of hired MacBooks. Mm -hmm. um, and so the first two people who I employed were people who I already knew, um, who t happened to both be girls. Um, and it was because the brands that I created the audience for those brands were women. Okay. And of course, you know, there are probably some men out there who would be able to do this absolutely perfectly. But at the time, I wasn't able to be able to, 
I suppose, put that kind of time into being able to help somebody really understand the audience. And when you've got somebody there who can automatically, because it's them, they are the target audience. Well, then yeah. that for me was a no-brainer. Okay. Um, so, and each additional brand that I created they were all a female audience again. Um, and the reason for that is because on Facebook, you tend to find that a woman is much more likely to impulse buy. She's much more likely yeah. to click a link and check out. Whereas for a guy, it's more of a considered purchase. Um, yeah. They might click the link and they might look at it, but then they'll probably go away and maybe do a bit of research or um, compare some prices and things like that. Whereas women will... They will. But I, it's awful because I don't want to, to create the stereotype, but it, it is what it is. You know, we've yeah. tried to target men and it, it doesn't work in the same way from social. Um, and, and so that's how it's happened. But then also when people apply for vacancies within the business, um, I absolutely have no qualms at all with it being a, a man or a woman, girl, boy, whatever you want to say. Um, yeah. I just go by experience. And I go by team fit and I go by the person who I think is going to be the best person in the role. And yep. it, it we just happened to have ended up with 19 of us being women. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we often talk about the first day that um, we get a, a man in the business. And um, I mean, obviously, we get loads of men come and visit us and come yeah. to meetings and all that kind of stuff. And uh, everybody's very lovely and welcoming. Yeah. Um, but it, you just kind of go, it's going to change everything. And um, we don't know whether we maybe need to bring two guys in at the same time. So I think it would be a very, <laughs> very daunting prospect right now to, yeah, to be yeah. that first male into your office. Probably. I don't think it would. I don't think I'd want to be that male no. for sure. No, I mean, I'm really excited for the idea that it'll happen one day, though, because I think it brings a different dynamic to the business. And, um, you know, I think now that the business has grown as well and we have different types of roles to what we used to have. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, we don't we're not just looking for people who are going to be um, speaking to our audiences you know we've got lots of different positions within the business which actually opens it up a lot more as well so um and i often get people think that because we're an all-female team that actually it would be really difficult yeah. you always hear this well women are so bitchy in the workplace and all that kind of stuff and you know what it, it, we just don't have that problem at all um that's and good I, I think part of that is because <sighs> Everybody's completely different. We all have different views. We all have different things that we enjoy, but ultimately everybody's nice. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I look for nice people. And the second that somebody isn't being particularly pleasant, then it gets stamped on and that's it. You know, it's not acceptable within the workplace. It's not acceptable within the business. Um, if somebody's having an off day, we can have conversations around that, but it wouldn't be something that would be tolerated. Mm -hmm. um, we're all there to work together, support one another, and hopefully as a business continue to grow and everybody's, got this amazing opportunity but we need each other to make it work so yeah um and i, and I hope that we can just continue that yeah um and it, it, it does make me really proud when i talk to people and people are always blown away by the fact that it's all girls yeah. um, <laughs> it, it means i get invited to talk at, at certain events because they're so interested in the fact that we're an all-female team yeah it's quite unusual <laughs> it, it is, is very unusual is. yeah but, and, you know, and I think part of it as well is because we have such a, a flexible working environment. Um, yep. So we're really family friendly. So you tend to get a lot of um, women who might not have been able to work beforehand because they couldn't find anything that would be able to fit around their children and their husbands and things like that. And then suddenly they've got this opportunity um, to come and work in a business and, and do a really interesting job, but that still fits with family life and 
And, do you mm. know, for me, it makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside. No, no, I, <laughs> no, I agree. It's a good. It's it's good, isn't it? Particularly in this day and age, um, you know, there isn't a lot that. Without, I don't want to sound discriminative, but you know, having Emma, my partner, and our kids as well, it, it's really difficult for Emma uh, yeah. to, to I say find a job. Hence, why she works with me. Yeah. Um, that that's going to fit in and around our family and what we do. Absolutely. That's actually worth her going to work for. Yeah. At the end of the day. Yeah. Um, and I think if if a lot of companies, you know, w- adopted the same way that you work and made things a bit more flexible with working hours or a working week, where they could t- take their children to school in the morning and yeah. they could leave at a certain time and pick them up, I think uh, it would benefit everybody. And maybe maybe that will happen in the future. I think it might do. I, I don't know. Um, I, I think it will. I think that um, it needs to anyway, because, you know, the world's changing. And if you want to attract good, talented people into your business, you need to be able to offer more than just a good salary. Yeah. Um, you know, people can afford to be a little bit more picky, I think, at times as well, because, um, you know, particularly if somebody's been working for the last 15 years, they've got themselves into a really senior position, but actually they decide then that they want to have a family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for that company then to be able to keep them, they need to be, they need to think about, um, you know, these different flexible working patterns and how they're going to be able to attract the talent and keep the good people. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously for us, we're really lucky that we're, you know, we're a cloud-based business. Everything we do is online or in the cloud. You know, we, we, we don't need to worry about having a, a shop open or we don't need to worry about those things. So not all businesses can offer what we offer. Um, yeah. And also selfishly, it started off like this because it started off in my home, which meant that people couldn't come to work until I got back from the school run and they had to leave the house again before I went on the school run. Yeah. So that was how it started. And then when we moved into office premises, it just stuck. Um, but it also means it works for the people who don't have children too. So some of the um, the younger team who haven't started a family, they like leaving at half past two because they can go and visit their mom. Then they can go to the gym then they can go out and have tea with friends and then they can still be in bed by 10 o'clock. Yeah, it's perfect, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, for them, it just makes all the difference. So, and I think that's why I've got team members now who are travelling past Newcastle. Wow. To come to Sunderland to work. Yeah, and I mean, Newcastle is amazing and the businesses there are phenomenal and the opportunities are outstanding. But they're coming to us because we offer something different. Yeah. Yeah, and that makes a difference, doesn't it? Yeah. So let's talk about uh, The Office Rocks, Laura. Tell me about uh, some of the clients that you've got now and anybody listening to this that's in business, in retail, uh, or maybe not even in that environment that you could add some value to. What what can you offer for them? Um, you know, talk about your audience firstly really uh, yes and and then what you can offer to them um, okay so and I, I know I, I briefly mentioned obviously that our largest audience is a, a mother and baby audience um, mm-hmm. and the brand is called bump baby and you all of our brands do what they say on the tin 
Um, mm -hmm. So the idea behind it is that we just share really valuable content that would be useful for mums and mums-to-be and daddies and grandparents, but it tends to be the mummies. Um, and the page at the moment, we've got over 411,000 followers on the page, um, reaching six and a half million people a week. Wow. Um, and I mean, we work with all different types of clients. So we work with your high street retailers like um, Tesco and TK Maxx. Mm -hmm. um, we work with people like mamas and papas. But then we work with people who are slightly different. So we work with the likes of Etsy. Yeah. Um, we work really, really well with Etsy because it's fantastic because we're able to work with a lot of their independent sellers who are obviously listing their products on their site. Yeah. Um, you know, and they, a lot of these are people who are working from their dining room tables and we can put them in front of an audience where they're then reaching, you know, hundreds of thousands of people from that one Facebook post. Yeah. Um, and some of the feedback that we get, we have people who have to shut down their shop for a little while while they fulfill the orders that we've been able to send really? to them. Wow. Oh. And do you know what? And it's so lovely as well because I look at these little businesses and think, well, that's exactly the same as us. You know, it started from my house and um, it's, a, it's a lovely way for us to be able to help yeah, smaller definitely. independents as well as obviously, you know, our bread and butter is absolutely the you know the, the, bigger brands. the, the big brands yeah. um but then we you know we work with all those from the small ones right up to the big ones and everybody in between so um really for us people who would want to work with us would be anybody who is trying to reach a mother and baby audience and trying trying to drive traffic sales and exposure back to their websites whether they're large or small okay. um we've talked a lot about affiliate marketing so we tend to work with people via an affiliate network but then we also work directly so let's say there was a mid-sized retailer or a small independent retailer who thinks you know what actually I really want to give it a go because I think that's my perfect audience. It doesn't need to be via an affiliate network. We just we would discuss it with the retailer, try and find out what they want to get out of it, and then we would put the exposure out to our audience. So um, mm -hmm. it's really nice for us because we just get to work with everybody. Anyone who's trying to to reach that audience, yeah, um, it's perfect. But we also do um, wedding. So we have two big wedding pages as well. And at the moment, obviously, everybody's kind of planning for their summer wedding. So those Indeed. are booming. It's um, your wedding hub and the wedding outfit, which, okay. again, the wedding outfit, it's all about clothes that you would wear to a wedding. Does what it says on the tin. Keep it simple. <laughs> Makes it all easy when you keep it simple. Yeah, I guess it does. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I mean, that's the core of our business. Um, and I often find that people will contact me on LinkedIn and they're not really sure about what it is that we do. And uh, I think people normally think that we manage other people's social media. Yeah. Um, I think it's what we tend to look like as a business from the outside. And it's something that we need to work on. Um, we don't offer social media management as a service. Um, yeah. overall we discuss it on an individual basis when yeah. the business approaches about it and it tends to be ones where we think that we can really add value okay um but i find that for a, a lot of businesses and i often say this to people that the best person to manage your social media is yourself okay because nobody loves your business as much as you do yeah exactly and and, and you know so what we actually do is the office rocks we have the office rocks academy whereby we will do training and coaching with other businesses to help them to really understand how to make their social work, which social networks they should be concentrating on because you don't have to do all of them mm -hmm. um, and how to make it manageable and consistent and overall actually a return on investment as well. And I love doing that. I love speaking to other businesses about their own social. Yeah.
yeah it's, it's i think there's a lot a lot of companies that are still although social media has been around for a long long time there's still a lot of companies that aren't uh, even getting involved in it in the way that they should be no um, and do you know what it is because they're overcomplicated. they look at all these different networks and they think that they need to do every single one yeah. And then they think, but I don't have the time to do it. And then they don't understand how to get the interaction on each one of them. And for me, the, the, the top tip is find where your audience is and concentrate on that one network. So for okay. us, our audience is on Facebook. That's where yep. we concentrate. Twitter, I hate it. I absolutely hate yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just wouldn't spend any time on there. Um, but for lots of other businesses, LinkedIn is, well, yeah, but LinkedIn is often the place for most businesses particularly if it's business to business you know and and people really don't utilize linkedin enough at all um but you know if you're a business and and that's what you're you're trying to meet other business owners to sell to them well you don't really need to be spending your time on a facebook page because that isn't where you're going to target them you're going to target them on linkedin Mm -hmm. yeah that makes sense that makes sense so with that in mind um being on social media, yes. uh, one thing that always pops up in my head is how social media changes rapidly. Yeah. Um, and so my my next question, and moving towards the end, because I know we're getting a little bit short for time, you've got to pick your children up. So <laughs> yes. um, over the years, have you been faced with any hurdles within social media? And if so, what are they? And do you face any now? Yeah, the, well, the biggest hurdle all of the time for us being a Facebook-based business is the Facebook algorithm, that dreaded mm-hmm. word. Yeah, um, how does that affect it? I mean, I, I'm only really familiar with the way that like Google algorithms yes. uh, change. I've never really looked at Facebook. So how does that work? Um, so the Facebook algorithm, um, basically, it just determines how many people actually see your posts and who okay. sees it. Um, and the recent update was that um, Mark Zuckerberg announced that they want to be able to make it so that in your personal feed, you will see um, much more of your friends and family content rather than business focused content. OK. Um, now, obviously, that has an impact on a business like ours but it doesn't have as much of an impact as what other people might think that it would. And the reason for that is because we concentrate on putting out content that we know our audience will engage with and will value anyway. And Mm -hmm. so it has a small effect, don't get me wrong. So we saw that our reach on our pages um, when the announcement happened over the next few weeks dropped slightly. The traffic that we sent to our retailers dropped slightly. Mm -hmm. But... Now that we are a couple of months into it, we're starting to see it all go back up again. And the reason for that is because, well, first of all, the algorithm tends to settle down and it gets the right balance, but also because we've been able to continue to get our audience engaged. So the key thing for me is that people run around and panic about the algorithm change. But actually, as long as you're putting out really good content that your audience value and that they will engage with, then actually it won't have a huge effect. You Mm -hmm. just have to ride out the first few weeks until eventually it settles down. Um, And that happens every single time. The the problem is that you don't know when it's going to happen. So you you can't really predict it. And then suddenly the announcement happens and you have to react to it. Um, So that's as a social media based business 
you know, depending on Facebook, that yeah. is absolutely our biggest thing. Um, and, I, and I think the other side of it is these other social networks that suddenly pop up and everybody, Snapchat, for example, yeah. it, it exploded and everyone went, we all need to be on Snapchat. And then you spend time trying to get to grips with it and figure out how to make it work for your business. And actually, all you've done is waste a lot of time. Um, yeah. and, I, and I think it's that kind of, it's like you see something shiny. And it's so tempting to run at it and put everything into it and realize that actually what you're doing then is you're neglecting, you know, that that dull stone in the corner that's still generating all the money. Um, And uh, and we have to really, you know, stop ourselves from from chasing the new networks whenever they pop up or or believing when somebody says Instagram's where you've got to be. Instagram's where you've got to be. Well, for our industry, it isn't really. No, no, I wouldn't have thought so with what you're doing. Definitely not. No, no. Um, do you think uh, Facebook's going to die? And if so, <laughs> yeah, when? You know, do you see no. that you don't no. think so? No, not at all. <laughs> Honestly, I really, it, that's really not, don't. That's not you just pushing that to one side. Is that genuinely your, your honest opinion of it? Do you, do you yeah. see it only growing? I don't see how it could possibly die. I, honestly, I really, yes, of course, things have to change. And, you know, the, Facebook have to adapt to keep everybody happy. Um, but I don't know anybody, anybody who leaves Facebook and then doesn't go back. Yeah. Because it's where we all hang out. Um, you know, it's, it's where the community is. And I think that Facebook are actually very, very, very good at community. Um, And for all the negative things that people talk about to do with Facebook, they are working hard to to make it a better place. And ultimately businesses need it anyway. Mm -hmm. Facebook need the businesses. We all need the users. And as a, (laughs) I use it personally yeah. I yeah. just can't I can't see how it's going to go anywhere I mean don't get me wrong I have moments where I think if my business wasn't all based on Facebook maybe I would leave it maybe I would move away and at times I probably would but I think ultimately most people would stick around yeah I think so I think so particularly when I look at um you know particularly having a 14 year old and how they interact with social media yeah uh facebook is still a big big part of uh, i mean he doesn't have a facebook profile yet for yeah. for various different reasons but you know he's on instagram and i just see how th- that their generation doesn't show any trend of of moving away from facebook or even no. social media at all no um okay no. so Look, that, Laura, this is great. I'm going to wrap it up. Um, but what okay. I do want to finish on is um, for anybody listening, if you personally have any recommendations of uh, maybe some online resources that you have that have helped you out, um, anybody looking to start a business or any books you would recommend, uh, yeah, have you got any resources for them to look up? Okay, well, actually, a book that I have just read is um, The Five Second Rule. I don't mm-hmm. know whether you've re- ever read that No, yourself. no, I haven't. No, I'll, I'll have to note that um, down. Because I'm, I'm a bit of a procrastinator when it comes to things that push me out of my comfort zone. Okay. It, I think I'm, sometimes I'm a walking, talking contradiction because on the outside, <laughs> I am running at a million miles an hour. But then there are just certain things where I go, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. And this five second rule is all about when you know it's something that you should do and you have to do, but you don't want to do it, you count down from five and by the time you get to one, you just do it. Yeah. And it sounds really, really simple, but seriously, it's changed my life over the last few weeks. Has it? it ridiculous things. I mean, this is a really, really stupid example of it, but my boot of my car is always filled with bags that need to go to a charity bin. Always, yep. always. And I drive past that bin twice a day, day after day after day. <laughs> and now this little five-second rule of driving along and went... 
I really should put those in the bin. Um, no, I'm not. And then I counted down from five to one. And by the time I got to one, I was already on my way to the bin. And it sounds so silly, but it's just making you do these things that you just put off and off and off and off. And I've been applying it to the bigger things and decisions within the business and things that I haven't necessarily wanted to do and just going, do you know what? Actually, I really need to do it. Like the accounts. I hate doing the accounts. Mm-hmm. And it's just going five, four, three, two, one, and then just do it. So that's yeah, I everyone would recommend... hates accounts, don't they? Yes. Yeah. I've actually got a member of the team now who manages all the accounts, which yeah, is just no, so it's a good thing to so do. Yeah, you're so very lucky. Yeah, but I've, well, I've <laughs> had to train her, so it's all right. Um, but the other, the, the biggest thing as well that's so important is to get the right accountant right at the very beginning. Yeah. Um, and I always, um, I always did my own accounts as in preparing them and then would give them to the accountant to then submit them and check them and make sure everything was fine. Okay. Um, but the, my accountant is now somebody who I would class as a friend because I've spent that much time talking to her and asking her a million questions. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's about having somebody who can just give you the right advice all of the time. And your accounts yeah. are so important to get right. Um, and realizing that actually some of the things that you think aren't necessarily the best way of managing your money. Yeah. Um, and uh, she's just an absolute godsend. So, and, and don't be afraid to change accountant if you feel as though you haven't got the right one in the first place. Okay. Um, the other thing is not to jump in and create a limited company because it isn't always necessary depending on the type of business that you are running, but it will cost you a lot more um, and take a lot more time. So again, speak to an accountant to find out the best way to set up the business. Okay. Um, And the other thing that the biggest thing for everybody is hang out on LinkedIn. Like seriously. Yeah, you do. You, you, (laughs) you do it. I mean, I've even tried to up my game on it, but there's no way I can match your, your activity on there. It's insane. And do you know what? So it's a real conscious effort. It's been something that I've been trying to do. I'm trying to, um, uh, grow my own personal brand is what I'm trying to do. Um, and what I find is if I, if I put content out, um, and just leave it there and don't really do anything, then nothing really happens. Okay. But if I put content out and then start engaging with everybody else on their posts, liking them, commenting on them, adding new connections, those type of things, suddenly my own content starts to get a lot of interaction. Does it? Okay. Because people come over, they want to see who I am, then they'll look at what I've posted. And then the link, it's the same with Facebook because the algorithm works in the same way that as soon as people then start to engage with it, more people see it. And that's how it works. And it becomes a bit of a spiral. Um, And so I find that, you know, I might have a week where I haven't been all that active, which is actually this week. I haven't been that active. Um, And then, you know, I don't get as many page view, uh, uh, profile views and connection requests. And then the second that I pump it up again, I get loads of people um, wanting to wanting to connect with me and the opportunities that it's opening up for me are becoming just really 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 valuable to the business as a whole so I'm starting to get invited to a lot of events I'm starting to get lots of people trying to find out how we could work together yeah um and it's it's opened up doors that I didn't think it would um, and that's purely from being part of a business network and being myself on there yeah. and I use emojis I'll use yeah I'm an emoji user too yeah slang language you know I'll use acronyms I use anything I just speak on there in exactly the same way that I do in real life okay Um, and I get inbox messages all of the time now um so it's really working and so for anybody even if you haven't started your business yet you need to be on there and just connecting with people and just so that people know who you are yeah and then the second that you create your business and your brand is out there people will then start to know 
who, what your business is as well. And we find now we go to events and we always wear hoodies with the office rocks on and people say, oh, we know who you are. And it's purely from our activity you. on, it's because of LinkedIn. Well, thank you. That's a very valuable piece of advice for me. And I'm definitely going to start <laughs> putting some of that into practice and, and seeing how that works out for me. Um, I'll be monitoring it, Nick. You will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't start sending me horrible messages saying up your game. That's not a good one, please. <laughs> no, um, I promise. OK, on that note, uh, there's surely, you know, well, at least I hope uh, there's going to be people that want to get in touch with you. Um, so how can they do that? Um, well, going on from what I've just been saying, mm -hmm. the best way to contact me is always via an instant message on LinkedIn. Okay. Um, I'm a bit rubbish with email, as you probably already know, Nick. I'm terrible. I miss emails. I reply really late to people. I've had I'm worse. <laughs> oh, God, good. That's reassuring. <laughs> I love instant messenger. Um, but if you go onto my LinkedIn profile, and I, I love people who want to connect with me as well. I'm not one of those people who say, why are you connecting? I don't know you. Yeah. I love connecting with everybody because I think it's all about collaboration. You never know who the next business venture is going to happen with, where the next opportunity is going to come from. So I'm open to anybody from any walk, any industry, anywhere at all to just come and be part of my network. And um, I'm really good at liking and commenting on everybody else's as well. So Excellent. Okay, Laura, thank you so much for your time. It's been great. Um, and obviously anyone listening, please do... As Laura said, please do get in touch with her on LinkedIn. Um, definitely a lot of things that you post on there I, I read regularly and it's always Yay. very helpful for me. So <laughs> so please do get in touch. But yeah, thanks, Laura. I really oh, appreciate you, it Nick. and good luck in the future. And I look forward to working with you again this year. I mean, obviously, you know, Absolutely. we have the Santa Letters and we're, we're launching some other products. That I'm not going to disclose just yet, but we've got you on our list to uh, get in touch and do some things with. So I'm excited. Um, so we'll speak to you then. Lovely. Thank you so much, Nick. You're welcome. Take care. Thank you. That's the end of episode 10. I hope you've all enjoyed it. Thank you all so much once again for listening into my podcast. I really, really appreciate it. I've been incredibly surprised to the following and response I've had. So I'm very, very grateful for all of you listening in. If you enjoyed this show, please do share with family and friends and make sure you subscribe to the podcast. You can do this by visiting iTunes and searching for the Nick Stacey podcast and just click that little subscribe button and it will come up in your podcast feed. Alternatively, you'll find me on SoundCloud, search for, again, the Nick Stacey podcast show. Uh, you'll also find me on Stitcher, you know what to search. You'll also find me on Overcast, and you can also find me on Anchor. This is the app that I recorded this podcast on, and you can find that with anchor.fm forward slash Nick hyphen Stacey, or alternatively, just Google Nick Stacey podcast show, and you will find various sources of where you can subscribe. You'll also find my website, which is nick stacycom and please pop your email in and uh, subscribe to the email list. I will soon be sending sending out weekly emails uh, on a Friday uh, with my weekend wishes with some useful content for you all to have uh, a productive week uh, or the upcoming weeks following that weekend and some useful articles that I have found uh, from friends and business associates. So please make sure you do that. Um, other than that, you'll find me on Twitter at MagicNickStacy. Or again, find me on LinkedIn, Nicholas Stacey. Uh, please do connect with me. I'm also very open to people that I connect with as I love seeing everybody's day-to-day uh, -day things going on with work and personal life. 
And you'll also find uh, the Nick Stacey Podcast Show on Instagram. Again, search the Nick Stacey Podcast Show and you'll find me on there. But for now, guys, that's the end. Um, I do have some really, really good interviews coming up. Um, of course, in between these interviews, I'll be doing my my um, solo podcasts where I discuss certain things that are of interest to all of you. So don't forget to look out for those. But the next interview that I have coming up is with Levi Ruth. If you haven't heard of Levi Roots, he is the really cool Jamaican that created the source, Reggae Reggae Source. Uh, you may have seen him on Dragon's Den about a decade ago. I've been fortunate enough to be invited to his, his brand new restaurant in London and sit and have some lunch with him and then I have him for an hour and a half to talk about his career and his life uh, growing up in Jamaica and then living in Brixton as a teenager in the UK. So don't forget to tune into that one. Um, I also have uh, a chap on uh, Twitter. Uh, you'll find him as at 360 underscore trader. He is one of the top 10 cryptocurrency influencers in the world. And I also have him later on this month discussing cryptocurrencies, blockchain, his investments and where the cryptocurrency world is. If you guys do have any questions about this, please do send them directly to me on LinkedIn and I will make sure I raise these up in the interview. And finally, we also have not fully confirmed, but we're looking forward to Ant Middleton. Uh, you may have seen or or been to one of his shows. Ant Middleton is uh, ex-SAS and he hosts the show... SAS Who Dares Wins on Channel 4. Uh, I'll be bringing him in to discuss some of his experiences within the military, his life and what he's currently up to today. Um, but there we go. Once again, thank you all so much for listening. I'm very, very grateful. Stay tuned for next episodes and have a great day.